This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that lives in the past, the present, and the future, though mostly in the past. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today we're talking about one of the first international book tours in history, the time when Charles Dickens brought one of his most popular stories to one of his least favorite countries. The day was December 2nd, 1867. British author Charles Dickens began his first American reading tour at Tremont Temple in Boston, Massachusetts. Several hundred people attended the sold-out show, and many more would have gladly paid the $2 admission had there been more seats to go around. One especially disappointed fan was fellow author Henry James, who noted glumly that it had been, quote, impossible to get tickets. Two other writers had better luck than James, as both Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow managed to score seats at the show. Most of Dickens' performances lasted about two hours. He would open with a 90-minute reading, pause for a brief intermission, and then wrap up with a second, shorter reading. For his first show in Boston, Dickens closed with a selection from his novel The Pickwick Papers but the main event was a reading of A Christmas Carol. The famous story had been published in England 24 years earlier and was an immediate hit with Victorian readers. However, the book had failed to find an audience in the United States, partly because Dickens had criticized the country during his first visit in 1842. He was appalled by slavery and found Americans to be selfish and ill-mannered. On his return to Europe, he published a scathing travelogue and then followed it up with a brutal satire of the country in his next novel. This ensured that most Americans liked Dickens about as much as he liked them. The one exception to the author's distaste for the U.S. was Boston. After spending a month in the city during his first visit, Dickens declared that, quote, Boston is what I'd like the whole United States to be. It's no surprise, then, that he chose the city as the first stop of his U.S. tour in 1867. Luckily for him, the 25 years since his last visit had cooled the anger of American readers, and he was met by an enthusiastic crowd at every public appearance. Dickens began performing public readings in Great Britain in 1853. For the first five years, the readings were done strictly to raise money for charity, but they proved so popular that the author started doing them for profit in 1858. It's worth noting that reading tours were unusual for the time, with Dickens being the first major author to perform his own works in public. His publishers were eager to repeat the success of the European readings in the United States. It took a bit of convincing, but in the end, they persuaded Dickens to return to America for a four-month reading tour. It likely helped that the author earned more from these performances than from his actual writing. Another reason Dickens agreed to the tour was that he just enjoyed performing. And make no mistake, these were definitely dramatic performances. 
He didn't just stand on stage and read aloud from a book. Instead, the readings were like one-man shows, where the author would do different voices, gestures, and physical expressions to bring the various characters to life. He even rewrote certain passages from his books to make them better suited for live performance. He wasn't on an empty stage, either. Dickens used the same props as he did in England, a big maroon backdrop, a series of gas lamps, and a custom-built waist-high desk that had a block for Dickens to rest his elbow on and a rail near the bottom for him to rest his foot. He also held whichever book he was reading from, but that was really more of a prop. Dickens had prepared so extensively for the tour that he knew most of the material by heart. He reportedly prepped for shows by practicing in front of a mirror for several hours. Despite all this planning, the shows weren't static. The more Dickens performed a certain piece, the more he would tinker with it by adding, subtracting, or reordering the material. A Christmas Carol is a great example of this refining process, as it was one of his most frequent and most popular readings. It takes about three hours to read the whole story as written, but by the time Dickens returned to Boston, he had cut that time in half. The copy he used for his performances shows the extensive edits he made to bring the piece down to 90 minutes. Tellingly, the changes emphasize dialogue and characters while drastically reducing the role of the narrator. Among the deletions are all 37 times when the narrator refers to himself as I, me, or my, as well as the 18 instances when the narrator directly addresses the reader as you. These deliberate changes suggest that Dickens wanted to minimize his own voice so that the audience instead could be caught up in the story itself. The tactic seemed to work well, too. After the first public reading of A Christmas Carol at the Tremont Temple in Boston, Dickens' agent knew they had made the right call in returning to America. He described the audience reaction, writing, quote, When at last the reading of the carol was finished and the final words had been delivered, a dead silence seemed to prevail, a sort of public sigh, as it were, only to be broken by cheers and calls, the most enthusiastic and uproarious. But Dickens' thoughtful performance wasn't the only reason the crowd was so receptive. The message of the story seemed to strike a chord as well. In fact, many scholars believe Charles Dickens had a lasting influence on Christmas traditions in New England. By the 1860s, most of the country had gotten on the same page about how to celebrate Christmas, but in Massachusetts, there were still some holdouts. The Puritan population distrusted the holiday, viewing it as just an excuse for their less pious neighbors to get drunk and party. That view had begun to change in New England by the 1860s thanks largely to an influx of Irish Catholic immigrants who had no such qualms with the holiday. That said, when Dickens arrived in 1867, children in Boston still had to go to school on Christmas Day, and neither Massachusetts nor New Hampshire recognized Christmas as a public holiday. 
it's believed that Dickens' readings of A Christmas Carol provided the last push Boston needed to fully get into the Christmas spirit. Residents warmed to the holiday thanks to the book's cozy descriptions of roaring fires and caroling children, but the real game-changer was the idea that Christmas wasn't just a day of revelry, but an opportunity for charity and goodwill. This shift in thinking led some New Englanders to reassess their position on the holiday, lest they be viewed as Scrooge-like themselves. Case in point, a Boston businessman was so moved by Dickens' reading of A Christmas Carol that he closed his factory on Christmas Day and sent a turkey to every one of his workers. As for the author, he enjoyed America a lot more the second time around, especially since the tour brought in $140,000 in profits, or nearly $2 million today. Unfortunately, Dickens was in poor health throughout the tour, suffering from flu-like symptoms, insomnia, and inflammation of the foot. On April 8, 1868, he circled back to Boston and gave the final performance of the tour. He closed by telling the audience, quote, in this brief life of ours, it is sad to do almost anything for the last time. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg most earnestly, most gratefully, and most affectionately to bid you, each and all, farewell. Two years later, Charles Dickens died at the age of 58. Many of his works are now considered classics of English literature. His most enduring stories have been adapted countless times for all sorts of mediums, but none more so than A Christmas Carol, the story that Dickens himself adapted for a listening audience all those years ago. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.